You kill people with that, do you? Killed everyone I ever met out here. Headshots, all of them, snap, right in the medulla. Thought somehow you girls were above all that. Come here. Take a peek. Seeds. These are from home. Heirlooms. The real thing. I plant one every chance I get. Where? So far, nothing's took. Earth's too sour. Ah, oh, so many different kinds. Trees, flowers, fruit. Back then, everyone had their fill. Back then, there was no need to snap anybody. Hello everybody, welcome to episode 98 of Vague Zone. I am Daniel. I'm Thomas. And today we are discussing 2015's Mad Max Fury Road, directed by George Miller, written by George Miller, Brendan McCarthy, and Nick Lathoris. Yeah. Thomas, before we get into this discussion, will you read for us the IMDb synopsis? Yes, absolutely. Mad Max Fury Road in a pop... Uh... In a post-apocalyptic wasteland, a woman rebels against a tyrannical ruler in search for her homeland with the aid of a group of female prisoners, a psychotic worshipper, and a drifter named Max. This yep. is the final movie in our Mad Max franchise, in our Mad Max coverage. Yeah. Uh, I kind of cut you off. Were you going to say something? No, it's okay. This... <laughs> that was my um, Yeah, so Thomas, what do you think of Mad Max Fury Road? <laughs> man this movie is fucking incredible um, <laughs> yeah but this is literally yeah one of the best action movies to come out in recent memory uh this is i was watching this uh for the third uh, for the second rewatch or third rewatch or whatever i don't even know at this point i've seen it a bunch of times watching this last night and i sort of got this admiration towards it in a different way when i was like i feel like this might be in a, a category I have of like movies that I would consider perfect where I was like, there's uh -huh. a, like, like I have not, not a lot of movies in that like category. I think like Fargo is a perfect movie. The first Jurassic Park, I would consider like a perfect movie. And I, I'm putting Fury Road inside of that small group now because it's just so fucking airtight. This movie is edited like just incredibly well. It's shot just like, it's just so insane. Like this movie is just, it defines what I feel like action should be. It's like the dialogue is very scarce. The story is very clearly uh, laid out to you. Like you don't really need to have a lot of these things like delivered through lines. You know, there's a lot of things that are just very inherent by just the visuals that they put on screen. And there's just so many lush details in this movie that you sort of have to kind of just like keep this in rotation because the more you watch it, the more valuable it gets and the more sort of you, you kind of understand and appreciate the very small things in this movie. And it's a yeah, fucking great Mad Max movie. Like it's just every, it's a great reboot. It's just like everything you sort of would want for this movie to be, it just does it very well. Furiosa is fucking awesome. She's just like a great character to sort of shift the focus on a little bit. Max has a great arc as well. He, he did, like the drifter thing is very like <laughs> it's still there. He's still like kind of just going through and helping out other people, but hanging out with Furiosa and like uh, saving the like the wives is just like such a beautiful, great like plot to sort of have in this wasteland. And yeah, I don't know. It just 
is I've, this, I've, there's nothing wrong with this movie. It's a perfect. It's been spoken about at extensive yeah. length, but <laughs> I think we can have a great conversation about it because yeah, after watching the other three Mad Max movies, it, like it's it's just like a great shift in a different direction, and it just it lifts those other movies up. And also, it's just, it's great on its own. So, what do you think about it? Um, I think it's gonna be kind of hard to talk about because I've seen this movie so many times that on the re this most recent rewatch, I it was kind of just like glossing over me. Like <laughs> it, like I've seen it so many times that I've become kind of numb to it. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, um, interesting. <laughs> so I remember the first time I watched it, uh, you know, going to the theater, seeing it opening night. There were people who were dressed up, which was kind of cool. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and we're sitting, I think, in like the very back row. And I remember I was so fucking hyped for this movie. Like the teaser trailer, the, the footage coming out of Comic-Con, like everything. I was like showing friends at parties. I was like <laughs> such a dork. I was like, you gotta, have you seen the Mad Max trailer? Everyone gather around the TV. <laughs> um, gather around this laptop. Which <laughs> yeah, I gotta show you something. Uh, but um, yeah, I remember finishing the movie singing in theaters and just thinking like that was good but like i'm not enamored with it because i remember the the critics the reviews were insane for this yeah. movie people talking about how it's like uh you know a tank shooting a rocket that shoots another tank or something <laughs> like that That's um, there were like weird all sorts of weird descriptions for you know the adrenaline rush that this movie would provide yeah. And so I walked out of the theater being like, yeah, it was good, but I, I don't know. Like, I wasn't really blown away by it. And then for the following week, it was basically all I could think about. <laughs> like, yeah. I could not get this movie out of my head. I was, like, obsessed with it. Um, I was obsessed with, like, there's a religion in this movie. Yeah. And, like, the way we're, like, we catch little details of things. There's this thing uh, I've heard people talk about called the Boba Fett effect, where it's, like... You know, we glimpse Boba Fett. We find out he's a bounty hunter. He's got this cool armor, and Darth Vader says no disintegrations, and like that's all we get. And so, like, we, our imagination kind of runs wild, being like, I want to know more about this character. Like, who is this guy? What's his cool ship? He has yeah. a cape. <laughs> like, <laughs> it feels like every character in this movie is the Boba Fett effect of like, I want to know more. Like, clearly, this person has a whole story, a whole background. Yeah. But, like, I want to know more, but I'm grateful that you're not giving it to me because that's what makes it intriguing. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I wasn't fully blown away after a week. All I could think about was this fucking movie. I went back to the theater, saw it again, <laughs> loved it. Yeah. Uh, went back, saw it again when it was uh, the black and chrome version. Oh, sweet. Still loved it. Uh, and then, like, I think I, I think after that first time, or maybe after the second time, I pirated the movie, and I would just like watch it over and over. I would like have it on in the background. It's like um it was like James Franco's character in Spring Breakers, how he has Star Scarface on twenty four seven. Like that was me and Mad Max. <laughs> like, gotcha. It was love like it. a it was like a song that I couldn't get out of my head. Um, that's that's uh, I love that analogy. And so yeah, I fucking love Fury Road, uh, but but I've seen it so many times that it's like I watch it now and I'm just I'm not having any of these revelations anymore. I'm not having any more of these. Uh, you know, nothing's really hitting me emotionally because it's I, I've memorized it basically. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm. It'll be an interesting thing to talk about, but. Um, yeah, I guess let's let's move into it. S starting off, they've recasted Max. We have a new Max now. What do you think of Tom Hardy? Oh, I think he's fantastic. Yeah, sort of 2015 was a good time to sort of like Tom Hardy's kind of 
like a renaissance, but that's when he was really kind of blowing up. And uh, yeah, he just like, I think, yeah, and it's like his work with Christopher Nolan was like really popular mm -hmm. as well. And I, I think here he's working with just like so much more fun, like in a more fun sandbox and like, the pun not intended. Uh, he's he's like this. The material here is just like it's a lot easier to sort of like have him fit into it because he's a fantastic actor. Um, and I think here it's like it's great that it's sort of like okay, he's going to be more on the silent side. He's not. He has like a, a kind of extended little monologue at the beginning. And I know as soon as he shows up on screen, it's like he fits right into this perfectly. And I couldn't really imagine anyone else in this role kind of doing this because. Like there's, there were talks of like, yeah, they were considering having Mel Gibson be in this, mm -hmm. but then the, the, the controversies of him being a deplorable person <laughs> sort of prevented that happening. And I was like, that's great because I don't think it would have worked with an older Max. You sort of need someone, yeah. a younger buff dude to sort of get fucking tossed around, get she's chained to the fucking front of the car. And it's like, yeah, you could, you need someone with like a physicality to sort of make that work and to sort of survive, like b believable and they can survive this wasteland. So real quick, it is worth noting, pre like we, you just said they wanted Mel Gibson for this movie. Yeah. Pre-production started in 1998. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like this yeah. movie was 17 years in the making. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, I kind of went through like development hell and just like wasn't getting made. And like, yeah, I just had just plenty of issues. And, you know, it's just like talks of, yeah, like the Iraq war and like September 11th yeah. were like factors in it not coming out, which is fucking insane. This movie insane was halted by terrorism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like they, they couldn't stop us. They couldn't, they couldn't stop this amazing movie from coming out. Yeah. Uh, it's a miracle this movie exists. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think he, he just fits into this perfectly because, yeah, it's like if you're doing an action movie, it's like you want someone to, to sort of to embody like this wasteland. And I, I don't know, like him, like they're like shaving his head, like his head in the beginning. And it's like, I don't know. It's like it just he, he just he, he looks great when he's like under great duress. And so, yeah, these moments where he's like, being chased by all these war boys or he's strapped to the front of this car or like yeah just like the chain fight is a, a scene i absolutely love because mm -hmm. yeah i just i don't know he, it's very clear that yeah he's he's a big like imposing male but also like he like i don't know he has like just the emotion in his eyes is just really i don't know it sells it really well yeah what do you think about uh tom hardy but also what do you think about Charlize theron because i think like she is doing a fantastic job in this as well I remember my first reaction to Tom Hardy was like, I wish he was skinnier. Like he's still like, he's like a pretty beefy, like buff dude. Um, yeah. I kind of wish like we got like a, a little scragglier of a guy because uh, he's supposed to be surviving out in the wasteland. I, where's he getting all that protein? Um, uh, he's oh, he's I, eating two headed <laughs> lizards. Uh, he's, 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 he's finding nutrients. It feels like the, the classic Mad Max costume just like fits his form differently. Like he's like a totally different silhouette than what we're used to uh, with uh, Mel yes, Gibson. That, that is a good point. Yeah. But uh, I was reading today. There's like the other potential Maxes that there were, were Army Hammer, dodged a bullet there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Heath Ledger probably would have been amazing. Yeah, um, yeah I could see that. Jeremy Renner, glad it wasn't Jeremy Renner. I can kind of see it, but I'm glad it wasn't him because he's mm, weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael Fassbender, I don't really see it. I like Michael Fassbender. I feel like he doesn't... I feel like he has a terrible agent because a lot of his movies are... <laughs> he, he deserves better than a lot of the movies he ends up in. He, he um, deserves better than Alien, Covenant, and Prometheus. <laughs> and Assassin's Creed and shit like that. Oh, oh yeah, um, I forgot about that film. <laughs> um, and then apparently George Miller wanted Eminem. 
yes. to be in this movie. Yes, the, the which I didn't know matters. about until today. <laughs> uh, but Eminem didn't want to leave the U.S. I guess. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, incredible uh, fantasy casting. <laughs> yeah, I always thought maybe Jake Gyllenhaal. If you gave Jill, Jake Gyllenhaal a beard, maybe he would yeah, look good. Yeah. <laughs> as a matter of yeah, fact, I think he could do it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, just, I don't know. Tom Hardy, like, well, he's like has that panicked look on his face, like for like that first thirty minutes when he's just like not really doing much at all. Like, I don't know. I think he's just, he is proof that yeah, his his casting is perfect in this. Yeah, he he does this thing where it feels like he's kind of always distracted, like his eyes are always darting around, and like maybe that is you know a character choice of like this is a survivalist like he's very cautious he's very untrust he, he doesn't trust people um he's yeah. always on the lookout for danger sort of thing but also like um, these hallucinations and like the whole thing of like yeah he's, the, he's like, mad the, like the people he didn't save like the people he wasn't able to save it's like those yeah. lives are just like seared into him to the point where yeah it's just like he just can't like focus on anything because yeah he sort of has to just be at this level of agent urgency <laughs> one interesting thing that i hadn't really thought about um until i was talking with emily about this movie is that like so matt so this movie is completely disconnected from the other movies it feels like um at the beginning he says once i was a cop so this is recalling that first movie however this is a pretty young max and Charlize Theron's character Furiosa says that she was a, a child of the Green Place, this mythical Green Place. Um, and so Furiosa is a child of the post-apocalypse. So it, it 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 is doing this weird time thing where it's like if she's a child of the post-apocalypse, like they they don't look like they're there's an age gap between them. They look like they're the same age. Yeah. Um. So the the past where Tom Hardy was a cop, Tom Hardy's Max was a cop, must have been a very different world than the original Mad Max, I feel right. like, right? Yeah, it does feel, yeah, it feels disconnected, but also we have Nicholas Holt as the war boy, which it feels connected to three, where it's expanding on that yeah. that lore and that that sort of character. Yeah, I guess it does kind of feel like, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, the timeline's all weird. But like it's fine. Like it's not a complaint. It's just it's an interesting thing. <laughs> Do you like, think, well, I have a question for you. So in three, it's very clear that it's in Australia. Do you think that this wasteland is in Australia? I have no fucking idea where this <laughs> is. Like everything is out of time and out of time and space. Like yeah, yeah. it is its own place. It is its own time period. Um, yeah. I like that Max is. What they've done is there is no timeline. Like Max is just uh, a hero that exists within a space and there's you don't have to worry about what is canon or anything like that like these are just stories yeah um he's a myth he's a legend <laughs> uh yeah it's cool um but yeah you asked about furiosa like one it's incredible that there's a character named furiosa in this movie <laughs> And it's played by Charlize Theron, and she's missing. She has a metal arm. <laughs> like, like all of this stuff is like I've been desensitized to how awesome that is. <laughs> like I should yeah. be blown away that there's a character named Furiosa, played by Charlize Theron, in this movie. Right. I um, love the reveal of the metal arm. It's like we don't really get a clear shot of it until she pulls the horn on the on the truck. Yeah, and it looks great. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think as an action hero, she's absolutely wonderful. I I think her and Tom Hardy play off of each other very well. Um, yeah, great duo. 
Yeah, Tom Hardy. Yeah, I was telling my sister she should dress my niece and nephew up as Max and Furious <laughs> this year for Halloween. Um, <laughs> either that or the twins from The Matrix. But um, <laughs> Even better. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I lost my trail of thought. <laughs> but, uh, go ahead. No, yeah, I think she's just fantastic. And yeah, I was thinking about her performance in The Road like a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We watched that in another post-apocalyptic movie. But a more like emotional and like kind of focusing on just her being a mother, but also here is like, she's taking on the role of a mother, but also like a, like a lost daughter as well. Like she's like looking for her home. And yeah, just, I think her pairing with uh, Tom Hardy is just fantastic. It's like, once they sort of get to the point where they're like working together, it's, yeah, I don't know, just, these are some of the best actors doing what they do. Like, I don't know, it's just fantastic. Like her kind of being like, the moments when she is vulnerable are just so believable. Mm-hmm. Like I think my she has favorite- a wonderful job. Yeah, I think my favorite scene in this movie is when they've uh, sorry, kind of getting into spoilers a little bit, but when they uh, they get to the uh, the, the gang of place? no, when oh, they get okay. to the gang of women, and I forget the name the name of that the Vuvulini. Yeah, the Vuvulini, amazing name. <laughs> when they get to the like group of women, and they're like, she's talking like, "Where's the green place?" And they're like, "Well, if you came from that direction, you've already passed it." And then she kind yeah. of drops the arm, goes out, and just like kind of has that cathartic moment, just like screaming into the like the void of the desert and it's just like it, it is kind of cliche but it's all it's just done so fucking well it's like after this incredibly long like high octane chase of like it's like it goes from this movie goes from like a chase to a fight to a chase and like when we finally get to this amazing like little break in it after that like the this the blue scene when they kind of, when they shot it and I, I call it the blue scene because it, it's the nighttime yeah. thing but after day for that, night yeah when they, when they get out there I don't know it's just like such a great moment of just like release and I don't know, it just feels just like very well done and yeah she's she's just fantastic in this and I'm looking forward to seeing hopefully they include her more in the Furiosa movie well the Furious movie it's a prequel with Anya Taylor Joy so like I don't know if they'll do a time jump where maybe we get to bring her back later. Um... I think I heard that The Wasteland... So there's going to be two movies. There's Furious and The Wasteland. I yeah. think I heard that The Wasteland is a sequel. Yeah, I kind of right. don't want a sequel. I would prefer if what they did was they turned Furiosa into a Mad Max-like character mm-hmm. where they just start inserting that character into other stories. Okay, and yeah. she becomes like a hero that exists outside of like any sort of canonical timeline. Um, yeah, I think that they, could be interesting. That, that, that is a good point. Also, I think they sort of they wrap up her story at this point very well. Like now like they are in charge of this well, they're in charge of this, like this oasis essentially. So they have their new green place essentially. Or it could be cool if what they did with her was what they did with Bruce Spence's the gyro captain, where they just bring back Furiosa as another, like, yeah, I'm not Furiosa at Charlize Theron as a different warrior within the Mad Max story <laughs> within cool. the Mad Max legend. Um, so it's like sometimes there's a pilot, sometimes there's a uh, a one armed driver. I guess I don't know. Yeah, talk about but, um, a great upgrade of like a sidekick. For, for <laughs> yeah, but uh, you mentioned that uh, the scene with the Vuvalini, um, that is a scene that stands out to me in terms of her performance because up until that point, like she is this badass, like gritting her teeth, fighting yeah. her way through all of this shit. Um, but when she first encounters the Vuvalini. And we have this, like, we have a tender moment between her and her and these women where she's saying, like, I can't wait for them to see it, referring to the wives. Um, and there is, like, this 
gentleness uh this like child she hasn't seen these people since she was a child so there is like a childishness almost to her performance um before leading up to her screaming but i think that um i think that highlights some of the range within her performance and also within this character which i i think is really interesting yeah uh, what do you think about uh, Nicholas Holt as Nux? I think he, he does a really good job at sort of <laughs> capturing yeah. a lot of like the desperation of what it I is. I think he's <laughs> he's a bit overshadowed by Charlize Theron and Tom Hardy. You know, yeah. these two big fucking stars, action stars, playing yeah. off of each other as a duo. But uh, Nicholas Holt, like this put him on my radar. I didn't really know who he was before this. I definitely became way more interested in any projects he was working on after. Uh, not interested enough to really see any of them. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I definitely took notice of, like, if he was popping up in cast lists and things. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, it's great. He's, like, a nice little, like, comic relief a little bit. But, yeah, you talk about the uh, Tom Hardy being, like, a little too beefy for the wasteland. I think he and the War Boys look perfect for it because, yeah, mm-hmm. they're, like, kind of on the skinnier side they have like these boils on them that like that doesn't really get explained at all but there's like clearly like a a sort of like a skin thing like a skin disease or something kind of going on at the beginning of the movie we see um uh, morton joe getting this like mist blown onto his back and so like powder or something yeah yeah there's like this like powder that's kind of helping edge off this like contagious thing or whatever i don't know there's just, I, I think those details just work really well and yeah I, I didn't really appreciate this uh the first few times i watched this but i like that he goes from like he, it's all about acknowledge me he wants immortal joe to like to look at him so he, when he does look mm-hmm. at him in the car he's like very hyped on that and he, he, like he, that's like his whole life is kind of like leading up to that moment but then when he sort of switches alliances and starts helping out the wives and helping them escape he sort of starts this little romance with this other wife and, and he yeah spoil we're getting deep into spoilers at this point so I'm yeah, just gonna yeah, say, fuck it. uh when he sacrifices himself he's like he says notice like notice me or acknowledge me witness to, me like, w- yeah witness me there it is uh he says witness me to the wife and I, I thought that was a really beautiful moment i didn't really notice it the first time i watched it yeah it's interesting because it's like the witness thing the witness me thing is like okay so this is what they say before their martyrdom it's yeah. like witness me witness my sacrifice um yeah and it's interesting that he's like removed himself from like de- deifying immortan joe and he's removed himself from working for that culture this uh violent toxic culture yeah. toxic masculinity they're literally <laughs> they're literally got like boils on them yeah. and shit. That's great. <laughs> um, Fucking but yeah and then uh it's just god damn i fucking love this movie dude like (laughs) just like the idea of witness me like i remember this like the that is something that did resonate for me the first time i saw this in theaters like the man saying witness me brothers and then spraying himself in the mouth with the uh spray paint and i was like holy fucking shit like like this is awesome yeah does the jump with the two spikes and lands on the car yeah like he's getting high off that stuff as part of a religious ritual because they all worship the fucking cars and the engine they worship the v8 like this is so rad like oh god that fucking gripped me yeah Um, the fucking the like the large collection (laughs) of wheels like 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 when they're like about to go out and like uh go on to fury road there's like this massive collection of steering wheels like these iron steering wheels and 
that's what they're branding on the back of people's necks it's mm-hmm. like this this insignia of well, it's, just it's like, some yeah. joe's uh insignia i guess yeah yeah it's just like more worshiping of the, these vehicles which is fucking amazing for the lore of mad max and one thing i noticed about morton joe that i thought was really interesting is okay so his name is morton joe and he, he's mm-hmm. like the leader he's like kind of controlling the cit- citadel he has this harem of wives that are constantly producing breast milk he has control over the main resource of water there's like this oasis of plants on top but he's like he he's physically decaying like mm-hmm. he needs to like be walked up to this like pedestal to talk and it's like he can't even like move on his own like he can't even like i think there's like a little small detail where um uh the character uh, his name is Rictus. Where Rictus, like literally, he, he 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 moves his hand with the microphone to his face. Like he can't even like do certain like physical things. Like his name is Immortan Joe, sort of being like this immortal, bigger than life figure. But he's literally at the point where he he almost can't physically do a lot of things on his own. I mean, there is a point though where he's holding Splendid's body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he, he also he runs through like the little plant thing where like the plants yeah. are being watered. He's running so, around. I, I Maybe it's like, just. Like maybe bursts. it's more of a luxury okay go ahead go ahead yeah i feel, I feel like he like he's he can be physical in like bursts like i don't know as when he's getting set up for that first speech it seems like i was like yeah like he can't not he cannot do this on his own i think maybe he can and he's just pampered yeah maybe okay because he's I fucking a morton joe <laughs> I, I, that's, like I, that's like they worship well. him yeah. uh yeah. yeah i yeah which was always something i think that i did find a little strange uh, was that when we're in spoiler territory, when Furious and uh, Max return to the Citadel after having killed Immortan Joe and they reveal his dead body, they're like, these people deified this man. Uh, they worshipped him. Like, why is there not more of a reaction to that, a negative reaction to that? Um, yeah. Oh. Is it like, well, they've killed God, so (laughs) time like i guess he wasn't a god like maybe that's it i don't know yeah well it seems like they're just uh just so dehydrated and starved to the point where like a revolution like is uh, is in the minds but like they they're just like not physically able to pull it off i was gonna ask okay so this movie is like a very extended chase like a very long kind of sequence of things kind of strung together do you have a, a scene or like a chase that is your favorite in this movie scene that is my favorite that in a movie that's damn damn near flawless i what i do know is okay we've talked about how it's damn near flawless there's one part of this movie that i do not like okay, okay. I, I i i know what my favorite part is but uh there's one part of this movie that i do not like it is one line okay though there's one line that is a problem with this movie and i will point it out to you and now every time you hear it <laughs> you'll be like mm, yeah it is uh, when Furiosa and Max they're in they're in the truck they're on their way to the um, I forget what what they're called the guys on the dirt bikes um, and they start seeing pe- people coming in from the, on the horizon. Uh, Furiosa says, "It's the bullet farmer. They're coming from yeah. the bullet farm." Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, he's the bullet farmer." <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, I feel okay. like you keep. I feel like you keep one half of that line. Like either yeah. they're coming from the bullet farm, or he's there. It's the bullet farmer. Gotcha. Um, yeah, but it's like it's, such a minor gripe. Just a, a tiny, <laughs> a tiny bit of clunk. It is the <laughs> tiniest, tiniest bit of clunk. Where I, like <laughs> I noticed it, and I was like, wait a minute, that's a little clunky. And in an otherwise flawless movie, you will notice those things. Uh, my favorite part 
is uh, the blue blue moment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when we see the one shot of the guys on stilts. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that is one of those moments where it's like it's like trans transcendent. <laughs> it's like uh, I thought I understood how this world worked, yeah. and now you showed me something that is like. I I I need to know everything about those people. Uh, yeah, it's such a great shot because yeah, we're yeah. Like just we're stuck on them. We like we're very invest at this point. We're very invested in like the lives, the wives. We want yeah. uh, we want Mad Max to to help them get to wherever they need to get, and they've already gone through like any an incredible like survival getting through like this ridge area but yeah then it turns into this night scene <laughs> yeah you get this wide it's just like <laughs> like are those vultures are those people like what, what's what's happening it's like it's like they sh like threw a bucket of detail at me <laughs> yeah of like uh threw a bucket of world building at me and i'm like well i don't know what to do with this and they only show it once they 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 show the men on stilts and then they cut to a reaction shot of everyone in the truck and they don't cut back and yeah. so I'm, I'm just stuck with that little moment I had. Um, yeah, it's so fucking good. How about you? Favorite moment? So honestly, I think the first thirty minutes of this movie is just fucking airtight and perfect. But I love when they go into this, like the sandstorm mm -hmm. in the beginning. It, like every time I watch it, it's like I, like I just feel like a kid watching movies again because just like <laughs> they're like going into it and they're like, and Morton Joe's like, oh, they, they think we can lose us in there like they, they, like they think they can escape and it's like it just it turns into this really chaotic moment where just the first car just gets sucked up into this like vortex and the music swells when it does it and it's just like the perfect combination of incredible visuals incredible cgi and just a, a, a really great score just emphasize the moment of like yeah they're doing something very risky and this is like just very dangerous out here and we still have uh max strapped to nux and so it's still very dangerous i don't know it's just it works it just works so well for me and i love that and yeah i like the the moment in the night scene where our i think it's the guy from the bullet farm where he, like they're shooting him like she did like there's like the sniper mm -hmm. shots towards him and like he gets blinded by like the the shattering of the glass and he does like this whole like scales of justice moment and we have God. another like well, the music on. comes in <laughs> that line is fucking incredible yeah like i am the scales of justice conductor of the choir of death yeah. like i remember like i was chatting with emily and i was like did they make that up like is this a reference to something conductor to the choir of death like is that a yeah, thing because if that is just coming out of this movie that's incredible <laughs> yeah. like there's a choir of death and they have a conductor and it's this guy <laughs> like this is incredible yeah. go ahead <laughs> yeah i believe he yeah i believe he's from the bullet farm because yeah he's just like rattling up shots but yeah that that character in that moment is one of my favorites uh, that's not attached to a bigger kind of sequence well i guess it's a part of this big moment like yeah when she when Max does the shots and like misses and then she like very like humbly hands the sniper rifle back to Charlie Theron. I, I just love that. And then he like kind of puts it on his shoulder. I want to also mention the sound. I think the sound design is really, really specific and great in a lot of moments when they're doing when he, the, the chain fight, when he's like trying to get them to cut the chain off. There's like the scraping of the gun on the side of the war rig. And like when the one bullet shot goes off and there's like a ring in his ear, those little details yeah. just really help like just really enhance the scene a lot there's some shaky adr work when like he's attached to the front of the car and he's like yelling stuff <laughs> yeah. it's like 
that's another like it's another thing where it's like this movie it's it's it can't all be like i'm just looking for flaws because it's so fucking good yeah yeah um i like that they refer to him as like an object they're like well it has a a muzzle on yeah yeah Yeah. like a blood bag yeah just like just a, a piece of meat yeah okay um, one of the things I like about this movie, which I think is kind of a miracle, is that with a, with a movie that has such little dialogue, still manages to give every character, every protagonist, an arc, which is so impressive to me. Yeah. Like if you look at all the wives, like let me pull up the wife list right now because uh, I can go through them. Okay, Toast the Knowing. Actually, what is her arc? What is Toast the Knowing's arc? <laughs> Maybe she doesn't have an arc. Uh, she kind of inherits like the job of being in charge of like the guns and like she's like, counting all the bullets like uh, and is she more... the one who kills Morton Joe? Uh, no, yeah, I'm struggling to remember. It's it's Furiosa. She like attaches like attaches the, the thing the to, chain his, to head. his face and she's just, like, or his me. face. Yeah, <laughs> Fucking, um, oh, I just love that moment. Yeah, Splendid dies unfortunately. Like, but little screen time dies, but means it's communicated how much she meant to the other characters when they're like living by her words and all this stuff she was their leader yeah yeah um capable obviously she has like her romantic connection to uh the war boy and nux and manages to like kind of turn him around um the dag i think okay so i think one of the most important scenes in this movie is conversation between the dag and the keeper of seeds um so I remember uh, there was this uh, film critic offering like a feminist critique of Mad Max. Um, I'm not going to say who it was because I don't need anyone listening to this to like go into her comments. But um, <laughs> she was saying that she thought this was like a failure as a feminist film because really all it's saying is that, see, look, women can be as like violent as men. Um Okay. But I think it's completely overlooking that that perspective is completely overlooking this interaction between the dag and the keeper of seeds, where keeper of seeds is talking about how uh, the uh, the dag straight up says, "I thought you girls would be better than all that," like regarding uh, the violence, regarding the keeper of seeds bragging about headshotting all of these people who would come, you know, attack them. Um, and the keeper of seeds like says, "Well, back then there was no need to do this." Uh, yeah. And then she shows her the seeds, and she shows like why they're surviving and like what their larger mission is, which is like they want to uh, replenish the earth. Yeah. They they are looking towards the future. They are only resorting to this violence as a means of survival, but like their overall mission is to create more life. Yeah. Um, Our babies will not be warlords. <laughs> yeah. And so when the Keeper of the Seeds dies, the Dag takes on those seeds, and she becomes the new Keeper of the Seeds. And so, yeah, going back to all of these characters have little arcs, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, let me see. There's... Who else? Capable? Oh, I already did Capable. Cheeto? Cheeto goes... Barely any, barely any screen time, Cheeto, I feel like. She goes from wanting to go back uh, to being yeah. part of Joe's, you know... Going back to the Citadel, being a, a slave to Joe necessarily, because they had the high life, to she you she she uses herself as bait. She offers herself up to Joe so that she can be uh oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
she's um she plays an important role in his death basically yeah, yeah, yeah. like she tricks joe uh so yeah. that he can be killed um so there's a nice arc for her yeah like all of these characters they have they go from point a to point b over the course of this movie with very very little dialogue not a whole lot of screen time we have a ton of characters to work with like it's kind of a miracle that everyone gets like a little story yeah it's just yeah the time management is very well the narrative economy it's just it's it's just very yeah everything's used to a great uh, no. it's great <laughs> now i'm having trouble speaking about this movie um i'm also drinking so <laughs> that's part of my problem yeah yeah just like i love the uh just the small little lines like when they're uh like it's one of the war boys is like slapping on the when they're attaching these parts to the war rig and he's like it's filled with like aqua cola he calls it aqua cola like it's, it's, it's called gasoline aqua cola gasoline well yeah. gasoline's gasoline water's aqua cola oh okay gotcha gotcha yeah yeah i also i like uh hold on a second i'm reading my notes here what do you think of the score yeah i think the score is beautiful yeah like uh like i say when we do get those moments of music like in the beginning when they're going into this huge sandstorm and the swell the swell of the music really adds to that scene quite a bit um but yeah the little bit it's kind of like a needle drop of like i forget what i don't know what song it is but like the opera music the opera music playing as the the scales of justice scene going on it just oh, yeah. yeah it just elevates these like you're already getting something incredible on screen and it just elevates it to this other level when it's it's a combination is film at its best form when it's a combination of all of these art forms together yeah and also uh speaking of music uh let's talk about our boy the guitarist on like Duke this Warrior, entire baby. vehicle yeah i was waiting for to, us to get there to, to like music like okay so it's gasoline is scarce but we still gonna dedicate a lot of resources to just making like a, a large sonic vehicle that is going to help drive this like this uh this procession of cars and yeah just this guy's kind of like not like strapped to it but he's hanging on like these elastic ropes and just like yeah. this double neck guitar that's fucking spits fire out and shit all practical <laughs> so fucking cool what a yeah. fucking brilliant idea like i remember the first time seeing the doof warrior and just thinking of course yeah. like of course they're gonna have a fucking like the equivalent of like a war drummer yes because uh, yeah, yeah. there are drummers on the back but like then we got this guy instead you know we think about like back in the day when people would stand in lines with their muskets and shooting each other you'd have a yeah, war like, boy maybe yeah, uh, someone playing a flute or something <laughs> yeah and like yeah. now it's like we got we got a pile of drummers and then we got someone playing a flame flamethrower guitar um the coolest fucking shit and apparently that character has like a whole backstory about how like he's blind and yeah. because he's blind like in the post-apocalypse he had to survive in the caves and he played guitar in the caves <laughs> and, oh that's sweet yeah like since he was blind like if anyone else invaded the caves they were at a disadvantage but he had already he was already accustomed to not seeing so he he can make it work i guess that, I that's know. great um yeah. uh okay i think his his character is just fucking incredible just the addition of that uh, but also just a detail in the credits i don't know if this is 100 percent going to be a good connection but uh there's like there's like a thanks to yamaha guitars so i think he mm. plays yamaha as a, okay that's like another detail he plays yamaha guitars which is fucking cool uh but yeah just i just love that yeah just the visuals of like everyone else is kind of like in the like grays or browns like the war boys are, like all white but he has like this red outfit so it just like yeah. sticks out just so much and yeah just it's fucking very well done and 
uh, Riley Kyo, who plays, uh, gosh, which one does she play? Capable. She apparently married the Doof Warrior. (laughs) Like, they met on the set of this movie. So there's a guy, Iota, who is credited as playing the Doof Warrior. Um, I think there's a different guy who maybe was, like, the stand-in for him or the stunt double. That's the guy she married. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's kind of a interesting love story. That's awesome. Um, Oh, also, yeah, towards the end, another great detail. A little, like, small, like chase within the the grander chase of this movie is they're like spitting gasoline into the car oh god yeah yeah it's like now they have this little like a little competitive like, moment yeah, yeah so yeah like who can like get this car to go as fast as it and can. it doesn't feel like there's any real reason for that like why couldn't they just pour <laughs> from the container directly into it doesn't look cool you gotta, <laughs> you gotta gotta drink it and spit it into the engine because that looks cool and the rule of cool always wins <laughs> yeah to cinema um some other behind the scenes information about this movie this movie was almost animated i'm really yeah. glad it wasn't because yeah. <laughs> we would have lost out on all of these like wonderful practical stunts and stuff uh, yeah like i couldn't imagine this movie with eminem or any of these other actors yeah or being a cartoon yeah yeah i couldn't imagine this being a cartoon because yeah it's just it it's just such a great practical effects movie like it's just all these cars are like functional and so mm-hmm. when they're fucking getting flipped over and getting destroyed like it feels very real like when you know you got like these guys on like these rubbery kind of stills and like these i think they're like cirque du soleil performers that kind yeah, of they are. This, but they're like the pole like, cats yeah they're like the pole cats like yeah like these things just like just work so well when you like are doing it on screen and it's actually you know practical uh, the movie was storyboarded before it had a screenplay. I believe he worked with like five storyboard artists to make 3,500 storyboards planning out the movie. Um, makes sense. I mean, you're prioritizing visuals first. I don't know how this would look as a screenplay. Yeah, uh, I, don't know. I think it, like the moments kind of line up really perfectly. Like I said, like the first chase scene it ends exactly at like 30 minutes. Like his muzzle comes off like at 45 minutes. And like, I, I was, I don't know why I was like counting, like looking at the clock while I was watching this, but I, I don't know. It just, those little things kind of just stuck out to me. Cause I was like, this movie feels so airtight and edited, edited so perfectly. Yeah. I wonder like if these moments are going to like line up in like a screenwriting kind of way. Huh. And yeah. It's like the, the Valley chase starts at like 50 minutes in. And so, yeah, just these things are just like lining up really well. And apparently, like there was a lot of like uh, speed ramping and like a yeah. lot of weight, like half a the, lot of like fifty to sixty percent of the movie. I think I read. Yeah, and it's something I didn't like when first few times I saw it, I didn't really notice that detail. But after rewatching it a bunch of times, it feels like yeah, it just helps enhance like that just urgency. It doesn't really bother me. Did it stick out much to you? Well, I've no see. I always viewed the uh, either the speed ramping or the. There's like a, it feels like they're manipulating the number of frames sometimes where it's like, uh, or maybe it's like a weird like shutter speed thing. Everything looks kind of choppy. And to me, I've always read that as like a stand in for shaky cam. Cause like a lot of people, they'll use shaky cam as a way to like yeah. heighten, like, oh, it's crazy. Everything's wild, this scene. Shakes and it's like, <laughs> yeah. And instead, what he's doing, he's like, we're just gonna speed it up. <laughs> like, yeah. we're gonna speed it up because. You know, have you ever been in a fight before? <laughs> like yeah. you're not you're not thinking. You don't know what the fuck's going on. Everything's yeah. everything's happening so quickly. Um, yeah, yeah. I I love 
like I was reading about it, it's like if he felt like anything didn't quite connect, he'd slow it down a little bit. If anything connected and we were hanging on a little too long, speed it up. It's all about like the rhythm of the movie and the rhythm of the pacing. Um, yeah, and it's like his hallucinations are just a really good part of that because every time you sort of get a little bit comfortable, you sort of get back into the headspace of Max, and mm -hmm. there's like vehicles running over this kid, or like or just like the skulls of like these people kind of just like flashing back, and it's just it always feels like you're on edge. Yeah. Uh, this was edited by Margaret Sixel, his wife, who had never edited an action movie before. Yeah, um, it's incredible. <laughs> he said he didn't want another ac action movie editor editing it because it would look like every other action movie. Yeah, um, yeah. It took her three months to watch 480 hours of footage, <laughs> which I feel like you hire someone else to do that. <laughs> you like, hire someone else to watch the footage and like rate it like be like okay this is the a footage b footage c footage like but she's like i want to see everything <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't i've never edited a movie so i don't necessarily know what the workflows are like but um but yeah she won an academy award for that and she absolutely deserved it because i think that is what makes yeah. that is part a huge huge part of what makes this movie so watchable and like why i rewatched it over and over <laughs> uh, is because it is so tightly edited like it reminds me of um so like i would edit I have made some videos, and whenever I would do editing, I would rewatch the portion that I had edited over and over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> I would rewatch like the whole video um, because I'm constantly feeling for like what feels off, what feels good, what feels off. Like, is it rhythmic? Like, uh, and this whole movie plays that way. Like, the whole yeah. movie fucking works. <laughs> it's all rhythmic. Um, yeah. It is like a song, like I said. Um, also, one thing I wanted to bring up, you mentioned, you asked about score earlier. Um, we talked about the music, but there's a, a really fucking awesome moment where it does, it just expresses everything like through a, a, a little musical note. And like, it's the moment where uh, he's inside of the, I think they're inside the Warwick and he still has the mask on and he's trying to get it off. And, uh, and basically Furios is like, do you want that thing off your face? And the, the score just goes like, bump, bump. Like, just like, you, just, you get like two musical notes as he like turns his head and like looks to her. And it's like a great little like moment of like, oh yeah, like he realizes he needs to sort of join and like make this alliance happen. And it, it's told through two notes of the <laughs> yeah. music score. They're just like it's underlining like, it. Yeah, it's like in, any other movie would have taken that moment, add some more lines to it, add a, you know, a quip or some shit to it. But yeah, it's just like all you need is just like a head turn and two notes in its yeah. soul. It also, the score will like blend uh, sound effects from the movie into the music. So um, earlier, I, I think, yeah, before that scene, when he's walking, he's holding Nux over his shoulders in the door. He's approaching the women as they're like washing themselves off um furios is like she's like beating something maybe it's her arm she's like beating dust out of her arm or something like that against the side of the war rig and we get this bum 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 yeah, yeah. and the bum 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 <laughs> blends in with the rhythm of the music too yeah it's fucking great yeah. <laughs> also a, another little comedic thing that i appreciate that this movie does have little moments of levity and it uh, the the boils on Nux being Larry and Barry, I thought I think that's a nice little fun. His drill. mates, yeah, his mates. Um, also, um, uh, Tom Hardy scr furiously scraping like the like the back of the 
of the mask and it's like he like his head is down. I don't know, just there's a nice it feels like a little like slapsticky. Just I don't it's it's a nice little funny moment. Uh, that's about all I have. I mean like a lot has been said about how the movie was shot with the subject center frame because they knew they would be cutting so quickly. Mm-hmm. George Miller, I think he said, "Oh, we're speed reading now" in reference yeah. to you know how quickly we want to be cutting uh, in this movie. But it's like how I don't know, like what I don't, it's just like what a good idea <laughs> to just like shoot middle frame. Like talk about like planning ahead, like. I don't know, man. This movie is an absolute miracle. It's like, did you ever uh, watch Jodorowsky's Dune? No. Okay. But like, you know, you know about that, right? Like uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky. Yeah. Director of like El Topo and Holy Mountain. He was supposed to make Dune before Star Wars, like way back in the day. And he had all these brilliant ideas about like having, uh, you know, Pink Floyd do some of the music and stuff. And um, I forget, like having a metal band do music for one of the other planets and shit. But like, um... He was going to cast, like, uh, Mick Jagger. and I don't know. It, it was just, like, he had, like, the, like all these wild ideas, and it sounded like it was going to be, like, this sort of incredible production, and then it just never worked out. This feels like we got to see this miracle movie that should have never happened. It should have been another Jodorowsky's Dune. Um, but yeah. somehow we got it. Uh, George Miller was supposed to direct Justice League at one point. Uh, oh, didn't yeah. happen. Like, maybe maybe there's a universe out there where they got the Justice League, they didn't get Mad Max, we got Mad Max, we didn't get the Justice League. Uh, we also got all sorts of other horrible shit that they didn't get, but... <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm happy we're in this. <laughs> we got this version. Yeah, and yeah, it feels just like a, a, it's becoming like a staple. Like, yeah, this came out in 2015, but it still feels like, you know, this came out last year. It, could, it's, it holds up that well that it can be... It over it still overshadows so many other action movies, so many other blockbusters yeah. that have come since then. And it's one of those things where it's like, so like we've talked about how what a shame it is that there are still action movies made that didn't learn how to shoot, didn't learn how to shoot fight scenes from the Matrix. Like, like yeah. we've you the U.S. has learned these lessons now. <laughs> like we have this great action blockbuster that has taught us these lessons that come from Hong Kong action. Um, so like, we don't have the excuse anymore. It's like Fury Road, everyone should be learning lessons from this movie. Um, like where is, where is the Star Wars movie that has learned the lessons from Fury Road? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, or even like television, like with these shows, like if you're going to like have like these fantasy shows, like we have a a new Game of Thrones show coming out and like Mm -hmm. a, a Lord of the Rings show coming out different like visual kind of worlds and visual languages probably so it's going to be a little bit more slower and meditative but you know there's those are going to be action heavy for yeah. certain sequences and it's like hopefully you like, get it you right look, yeah you can look to <laughs> look to just the kineticism and just like the simplicity of uh, fury road and be like okay like this is like the watermark now it's like we need to sort of appreciate george miller and appreciate the work of the entire fleet of crew and all the people that they put work into this because they made something that is truly worth like teaching and like learning from yeah it's just yeah storytelling <laughs> like that's yeah. all like i think that is the main thing to learn from this like you know like it's not even about like learning how to shoot action it's just about like learning how to tell a story minimally yeah, um, so you don't need to. There's no lines about the chassis yeah, belts. Like we just, yeah. we there's no, there's no like words referenced into it. All we see is huge fucking like these 
bulk bolt cutters cutting off these like terrifying looking devices and they're like it's falling into the sand and it's like that's all you need to know it's like it's clear it's like yeah like these women yeah. are being like persecuted <laughs> and so it's like we need to like just show this in the easiest way possible uh there was a new trailer for that lord of the rings show it came out i think yesterday or the day before did you see that uh no it looks so bad i'm like <laughs> it just feels like we're spoiled by the ability to do things with digital effects it it just like even if it would look it like it doesn't look good the digital effects like you can tell that they're digital but it's like it just it just makes it feel like there's a certain laziness coming to the table with how you're planning these things um i don't know it's just depressing <laughs> like yeah, this movie so these other bigger properties like marvel and stuff yeah it's just it, it doesn't yeah. quite hit it's just i don't know yeah I, I we need movies to be thoughtful <laughs> yeah and it's yeah it's hard to sort of get to that point when there's a lot of it's sort of you're making art by committee you're sort of chasing deadlines that have been set yeah. beforehand it's like if you announce in comic-con that is coming out may 5th 2025 then that's yeah. that's the fucking date we're not moving it and so we're yeah. gonna have to you know make 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 do with what we have essentially yeah people deserve better go see yeah. better movies people yeah. <laughs> stop seeing yeah. garbage i know we talk about a lot of garbage on the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes you need a little bit need a little bit of that little, little sugar in your diet sometimes sometimes you need something a little unhealthy it makes you appreciate <laughs> the the fine dining that is fury road um, i'm looking forward to watching the the black and chrome version i still haven't seen that honestly like i was watching it and i was just like eh, i kind of miss color <laughs> kind of <laughs> miss having color in the scene fair enough yeah, yeah. yeah and it, like the color is used very well it's like the oranges pop like just yeah it's, it just looks so great out in the desert it's such an assault it look... <laughs> it's so yeah. good yeah just everything just came together so so nicely in this movie Alright. Anything else on Fury Road? Uh, I'm sure we can go long. <laughs> like, okay, the three D the one three D shot. What do you think of that? <laughs> at the end. Oh uh, well, I don't think I remember the one three D shot. So this movie came out at like the tail end of like every movie having a three D release, I feel like. Oh, um, oh, the the the, the wheel Doof Warrior, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, well yeah, it's I, I call it the do for you, but that I think, oh yeah, because there is the guitar that comes out at you. But yeah, it is the wheel and the guitar that both come towards the frame. And it yeah. is like, I remember, because I saw this in 2D, I remember seeing that and just being like, oh, <laughs> like that's the 3D shot. But I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily see it as a flaw. It's just like amusing to me. <laughs> yeah, it is a little silly and it, is, it feels a little cheesy, but uh, I don't know, I like it. And it comes after, yeah, just like, just a great chase like it's i think it's the second valley chase where that happens when they finally like blow up all their yeah. shit and so yeah it's, it's great because you're, you're happy they're sort of succeeding <laughs> they finally fucking get a little, yeah. a little victory it's like and so yeah it works it's such an extreme and like solidly executed movie by the time we get to that point it's like sure just do whatever the yeah. fuck you want i don't care yeah, yeah. yeah. you like, did I, give me a... on board <laughs> yeah yeah I think, all right that might be it um what have you been watching this week? Ugh, what have I been watching this week? I just resubscribed to Shudder because I want to start watching more horror stuff. Okay. But all I've been watching is uh, Eli Roth's History of Horror, which is like the documentary series that I believe is on AMC. Um, okay. 
yeah, it's one of those things where it's like if I'm not, I've, I want to watch a movie, but I don't want to commit to watching a movie. So then I just put on documentaries about movies. Um, okay. I, I listen to other people talk about movies. Um, and it's just like helping me build up my lists and stuff. Um, I think the most recent season took place during the pandemic. So one of the episodes they talk about is uh, they talk they talk about pandemic movies, virus movies. Okay. Um, and they're like, I work in streaming. <laughs> um, and so we definitely saw that there were there was an influx of people searching for the movie Contagion on mm-hmm. streaming and uh, during the pandemic. And so, yeah, it was definitely a thing where as the pandemic was happening, everyone got in the mood to watch pandemic movies. And we had to deal with this question of like, is it is it poor taste to create a collection of pandemic <laughs> related movies like virus related <laughs> horror movies? to promote on our service when we like it feels like it's in poor taste but at the same time we know people are looking for this stuff people want to watch this stuff yeah yeah um so yeah yeah it's like it's, it's, it's morbid but also like it like if that's yeah. what people are hundreds of thousands of people are dying yeah. <laughs> but uh like that's do we want to capitalize on that i don't know i don't think we do so we have to be tasteful with how we like serve the people who actually do want this stuff and are requesting this from us uh well you know trying i just gotta be thoughtful with thoughtful with the optics basically yeah yeah definitely it's one it's one thing to watch you know scary movies around halloween it's different when like there's an actual pandemic sweeping the globe and populations of people are are dying and like oh yeah i want to put on contagion Uh, did you watch contagion i've only seen i've only seen like the first half i think i want to i want to finish it but I, i just like i was with some friends they were watching it and then i ended up leaving Okay, I won't. I was about to spoil it because there's something that happens and it that just like it made my jaw drop when I fucking watched it. I know. Spoiler alert for people who haven't seen Contagion. This was spoiled for me just from watching the Eli Roth thing. But I know that at some point there is like conspiracy theorist stuff that comes into play, which feels very similar to what happened in real life. Um, yeah, no, I think I, I, that does happen, but also like. Uh, can I do I have permission to tell you what happens at the end of this movie? <laughs> <sighs> how 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 big of a spoiler are we talking here? I do want to watch it. I do want to watch it. Um, uh, I'll uh, I won't say it, but yeah, okay. there's okay. just when they sort of get to the point of revealing how it happened, I was like, okay, I it was like, made in a lab in China. No, <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, but yeah, just the way uh it's it's told visually at the climax of that movie was just very well done oh, and okay. when you see the the origin of the virus i was just like holy shit <laughs> it's like it's like they did a great job that's great uh yeah i haven't really been watching much outside of that though uh how about you um yeah i haven't been watching much this week either uh this past weekend been doing more Churchill classics, going back and watching movies from the 40s and 50s on HBO Max. And uh, wait, were you gonna say something? Uh, you can finish. I, I just remembered something I did watch, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, um, but yeah, this week uh, I watched uh, The Seventh Seal, Ingmar oh, Bergman, yeah. uh, a movie I it's referenced and memed and parodied to a great lengths, but something I'd never sat down and watched. And yeah, I, I wasn't really aware of anything about the movie. and yeah, it's just a fantastic film. Uh, yeah, it's about very morbid. It's about death and like the plague, and so it's sort of also appropriate as uh, we deal with another medical outbreak that's happening right now that people are trying to desperately avoid and they're trying to not get monkeypox, which is a, a terrifying kind of 
thing that's happening. And so uh, I was watching this. I was like, oh, I think it's going to be like a, a more cerebral kind of fantasy kind of movie. But it, I was taken aback by like, no, they're dealing with like religion and they're dealing with like this health crisis. And I don't know, it felt very appropriate and it sort of resonated with me in a way I didn't really think it would. And yeah, I, again, I appreciate watching these older films. These are movies I like didn't watch when I was at film school because I was too busy smoking weed and listening to rap music <laughs> with my friends. And so while well, people were kind of nerding out about like, you know, Kurosawa and like, you know, Bergman and stuff like that, I just totally wasn't watching those movies. And so now I'm trying to go back and re-educate myself and, you know, get back into that little space of movies. And yeah, it's just really fantastically done. And like, yeah, just the whole... Uh, a game of chess with death and trying to avoid death and trying to do one honorable thing before you go. It's just, it's, that message really stuck with me and I really appreciated it. Yeah, I remember my favorite scene from that movie. So like I saw this in college and it immediately became like one of my favorite movies. I, I'd never seen an Ingmar Bergman movie before. And Ingmar Bergman feels kind of like untouchable. Like it feels like what has happened to us that we're no longer making movies like this? Uh, are we... Are we no longer able to because we're all like there's like a certain sort of sentimentality that feels like we kind of have to laugh at now um i like i can't imagine anyone like committing so passionately to making a a, a philosophical and like weighty and thoughtful and serious movie like everything has to be undercut now which is kind of weird yeah. like we're all like irony poisoned um but my favorite oh, great term <laughs> my favorite part of that movie is uh when the witch is being burned spoiler alert it's not really a spoiler yeah. who like there's no spoilers for the seventh <laughs> seal um but uh yeah the witch is being burned and so yeah the whole movie is about like this knight who is playing chess with death uh because he wants to he wants to prolong his life. Like he's, he's just kind of like keeping death at bay with this game of chess because he's yeah. hoping that by living a little bit longer, he can find some evidence of God. Um, and his squire is an atheist. His squire doesn't believe in God. And so my favorite scene in the movie is when I like, as a young atheist, when I saw this movie, uh, the witch is being burned. This witch who believes in the devil, uh, She's being burned, and the squire says, like, he says something along the lines of, like, look into her eyes, like, she, what does she see right now? Does she see God? Does she see the devil? Or is it nothing? And then he says, yeah. like, it's nothing. And he says, like, I can't bear it. And then he walks away. Um, and it was like, it's like, on one hand, it's like, it's supposed, it's like horrific because it's like, yeah, we're seeing a woman being burned and yeah. facing the reality the quote-unquote reality that there is nothing waiting for you beyond death. Yeah. Uh, and we're seeing the knight realize this um, in her eyes. And I don't know, man. That scene fucking hit me. <laughs> like, yeah, I fucking yeah. loved that scene. Yeah, it's really heavy. The yeah. one that got me in a weird, like, sentimental way is when, like... It's like after the like artist gets like humiliated at the like the, the tavern and he sort of reunites with his wife and then the all the other characters slowly accumulate onto like this meadow and the knight basically is like this is like this image like like these things like I have this milk I'm here with these people like this image like I will hold on to this image and it just reminds me of like 
being out with people and being around people you love and being like, yeah, like this is enough. Like just, just doing those small mm -hmm. things is just enough to sort of like you hold on to those things. And that is all you kind of really need. You don't really need anything else besides, you know, just those moments being with people. And it's sort of like, it's spoken in such a more eloquent and poetic way than I'm <laughs> describing it now. But yeah, just, and yeah, Max von Sydow is just fantastic. And it. it's just like yeah, that performance is just really great. And yeah, just the simplicity of, yeah, just those small little things. And it's like, he's appreciate because he knows that death is at bay. Cause literally as soon as that scene is over, he walks over and continues the chess game with death. And so yeah, it just, it just emphasizes the fact that, yeah, like this, these are the valuable moments in life to sort of hold on to. I'm sure there are people who are still making movies like that now, but it's like, who are the audiences for these movies? And like the audiences that are like fighting for their survival within, within culture, I guess. Yeah. Um, like, will there be someone who becomes seen as like uh, part of the cinematic canon, the way Ingmar Bergman is um, coming out of us, our generation, or is it just yeah. like, you know, there's all these brilliant filmmakers out there who are making these quiet stories that just kind of disappear and everyone kind of forgets them. Um, I hope yeah, that's. I think you know, uh, we're sort of there. I think A twenty four has movies that sort of have that level of thought to them and you know, I don't know I, there's I, it's it, it's weird because okay like there's clearly a thing where like oh if you shoot a movie in black and white now it's like you're clearly you're already making a statement by by making this a grayscale doing it in a very particular way and so I think like I was thinking about like Belfast it's just like okay like it's like it's like a stylistic choice but mm -hmm. also you're clearly you're trying to put you in the mindset of like okay like this is this is a black and white film so we're going to be doing something a little more sentimental and doing something a little bit more, I don't know, just kind of harkening back to referencing these older films. The black and chrome version. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. The tenderness of... Seven Seal, black and chrome. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was going to say, I did see something else I totally forgot. It's I saw Bodies, Bodies, Bodies over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting movie. I had a fun time. I had a very fun time in the theater. Uh, you haven't seen it, right? No, yeah. Like, they're a little slower on the releases out here. So it's okay. like a lot of Korean films and then like the big animated stuff. So like the Minions and the, the Super Pets. But Nope just opened this past weekend. Oh, okay. So yeah. Um, so yeah, plot of Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, this woman is uh, going to her girlfriend's house or her girlfriend's friend's house where they're having like a party, a get together. Um, and she's like meeting all her girlfriend's friends for the first time. And, uh, there are these two guys there who David played by Pete Davidson, who's very jealous of this older guy who's there, um, who seems to be cooler and impressing all the ladies. <laughs> um, and everyone decides to play this game, bodies, 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 which is kind of like a, a werewolf style game where, uh, you know, you wander around at night, someone is the killer some the killer taps someone on the back they become a body if people discover the body they have to shout bodies 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 and then everyone turns the lights on they have to investigate who is the murderer they have to play werewolf basically um and things go wrong it becomes an actual <laughs> murder mystery um and so i'm not going to spoil anything uh it's a pretty fun murder mystery uh it's no knives out it's not nearly as clever as that but uh it's it's pretty fun it but the thing I'm trying to grapple with with this movie 
is that it feels like, like I think I posted on Twitter that it's my favorite Daily Wire movie. Um, it feels very conservative in its mindset. It feels like it's like, I, I want to know what the Daily Wire louder with Crowder, like right wing crowd would think of this movie because it mm -hmm. feels like the movie, it, the, the movie is satirizing woke zoomers because that is who our yeah, characters yeah. are. And it is satirizing these characters in a way that I feel like upholds right wing sort of boomer worldview uh but it's done through the aesthetics of like a euphoria style like uh you know zoomer uh, it's trying to appeal to that demographic aesthetically while yeah. i feel like it is upholding the worldview of this of their opposition um and so yeah on one hand i think i think some people are reading it as like it's just like an anti-woke satire which like uh, you know, you kind of have to be terminally online to get a lot of this, these jokes and lingo. Yeah. Um, and so maybe it feels more like it's like the, uh, it's, it's a group making fun of itself, but I don't know. I'm kind of going back and forth. <laughs> like, like, like the movie starts with, a uh, interracial lesbian kiss that goes on for a very significant amount of time. <laughs> before descending into bloody chaos and so it's like okay well what is that saying <laughs> like yeah. uh yeah i don't know i i'd be curious to know what you think when we when you see it yeah i really want to see it um yeah. the trailer is fantastic I, I saw the trailer before nope and yeah i didn't really know much about it but it was like a really great introduction to just the idea of it and yeah, i'm looking forward to it i might if i can possibly swing in a, a screening when i come back for like four days i might try to, to see it but oh. i would love to uh even the poster says this is not a safe space so it feels like it's poking <laughs> yeah you yeah. know uh even though i don't like pete davidson i'm willing to <laughs> to set yeah. that aside yeah i really i really want to know like how this movie would land for people on the right <laughs> like i'm really curious would they be like oh 824 put out a movie for us because it is satirizing the people i hate um yeah, <laughs> yeah. i don't know in the weird, weird uh, colbert uh, rapport territory <laughs> yeah i don't know it's like dependent very dependent on the audience like oh yeah this is for me oh no this is for me <laughs> it's like oh it's me having a laugh at myself or is it this is uh, my opponent having a laugh at me <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah who is who is the serving sort of thing um yeah. yeah looking forward to it is that oh, it for that might, that might be it for episode 98 what uh, if you'd like to what are we doing for the next two episodes up until um, episode 100 <laughs> uh that's a good question i gotta gotta figure this out yeah um i don't know maybe for the last two like you just like like an all-time favorite from both of us something like that or i don't know uh yeah my favorite movie you haven't seen and your favorite movie that i haven't seen Something like that. <laughs> Could be good. Yeah, we'll 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 figure it out. Uh, it's yeah. These next two weeks are going to be insane for me. I'll just say that because okay. like I'm go going back to America for Trunks's wedding, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, also like this weekend is like uh, PopCon. It's like the Korean Comic Con, so I'm going to that on Friday, and so it's going to be going to be a busy couple of weeks for me. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. But until then, we will let you know. We will we will discuss. We will figure it out. Uh, but yeah, this has been episode 98 of Vague Zone. 
always thank you for listening uh if you'd like to contact us you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail.com you can tweet at us at vaguezone let us know if you have comments concerns questions or movie suggestions let us know what we should watch maybe you guys have a better idea of what we should watch for 90 uh, 99 and 100 let let twitter decide let <laughs> let the masses guide us you know that's always a, a good way to do it Tell me something. Uh, yeah um but yeah i'm thomas and i am daniel we will catch you on the next one Cool.